celebrating female role models across our community. Live from Cary Baptist Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Cary Live. On Carrie Live here at Carrie Baptist Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. I am Caitlin Arthur bringing you Be Like Her Live alongside my co host Liesl Trekard and Elodie Sleeth. Today we have Belinda Coates with us, a pioneer for women in the male dominated construction industry. Belinda is not only director, clients, and strategy at property construction advertisory. Ad- advisory firm firm Slattery, but also the co-founder of 10 Women, her passion about empowering women having a meaningful impact on the property industry. So Belinda, my first question to you is what inspired you to pursue a career in the property industry? Uh, The property and construction industry is such a beautiful industry to be a part of because we we're all part of this beautiful ecosystem. So not only we're not only are we ten percent of GDP in Australia, so we're quite a large cohort, but also we're such a collaborative industry where we can we come from everything from furniture design to interior design to landscape architecture to structural engineers, um, it, to property development, creating spaces where people live, work, and play. And what's really beautiful being a part of the property and construction industry is that, you know, when you're driving through the city, you can point at projects and say, I've played a role in that. And you can really make an impact on the, f- the way that our future generations um, enjoy our cities and our world. We can really make an impact in this industry. So Belinda, you mentioned that you really liked how it was a collaborative process. So you went to Kerry, like us. Um, did you learn a lot of collaborative skills there? Like was it something you like improved from your time at school or did you really have to learn it when you entered the industry? Kerry, and it's a long time ago yeah. now. <laughs> I'd like to say it only feels like yesterday, but what, what I really enjoyed at Kerry Grammar was the extra little programs that we got involved in. So not only school curricula, but the, the camps that you do where you're working as teams, like at Look, that was one of my favourite camps, and the Outward Bound. I don't know if you still do that at Cary, but that was a really special camp that we did. And there's a, we were always learning about teamwork. And I was um, talking to uh, one of the ladies earlier about at Cary, there's a lot happening with sports and study and arts and music and and all sorts of things. And we really learn a lot about time management and that set us up for our futures, definitely. So linking back to what you said before about um, how the property industry is such a large um, aspect, like I, I wasn't aware it was such a big part of our country. What Would you like mind telling us more about what you do specifically? Sure, sure. So I, um, I would consider myself a business strategist. So I studied business and marketing at Monash. Uh, I did a postgraduate in marketing and I've also studied at the Aarhus Business School in Denmark. And I worked, I've always worked in professional services advisory. So I worked with lawyers for eight years and uh, I worked closely with the property and government teams when I worked with the law firm Maddox. And then following that, I worked with global architecture firms. Um, and where I really got an appreciation of de- of the design industry, and then the last eight years I've been sorry, the last five or so years I've been working with quantity surveyors. And so our business, what we do is we manage the 
We manage the costs around delivering these multi-million dollar, billion dollar projects to ensure that we can deliver the best possible design outcomes for our communities. And what I do in that role is as a business strategist is my focus is on growing the business, uh, building our brand and our reputation. We have quite a strong focus on knowledge leadership, which is something I'm quite passionate about. But lately there's been a new focus and a new drive on social impact, which is a really special place uh, for us. It's a really special role to have to be involved in driving reconciliation, driving our focus on net zero and driving our social impact goals such as inclusion. So I have a very varied role. So how do you choose what to focus on specifically? Because you've collaborated with people in so many different areas, how did you decide that this is specifically what you want to do? I th- I would say that during my time with working with Maddox lawyers, I particularly became interested in the property industry because as part of our role as advisory, as a business advisor within a business working with lawyers, um, we used to we used to spend a lot of time our team reading the financial review and, and learning about what was happening in the property industry, site acquisitions, development. And I always found it just so interesting. Um, but then I became quite interested in design because I Hassel Studio had redesigned the Maddox um, offices and it had, it had come from being a pretty normal office to being this extraordinary space to work in. And it really inspired me to think that this, you can make such a difference through design. You can make a difference to the way people feel, the way that people want to be in an office, the way they collaborate together. And that really made me want to take a next step and seek out a role in a design firm. And I was, I was really lucky to find a fantastic role working with global architecture firm Hassel. And following that, I, I moved on to another architecture firm, Woods Baggett. And um, yeah, I'm really happy where I am now at Slattery because I feel like I'm in the, I get to work with people in, that are kind of in the middle. So the quantity surveyors are kind of in between lawyers and architects in the way they think and the way that they're creative and solve problems. So it's a really nice sweet spot for me. It's beautiful. It's definitely clear how much you love your job and how passionate you are about it. Um, I was just wondering, how does where you pictured yourself when you were finishing high school contrast to where you are now? Because the property industry is not often a you know seventeen year old's ideal career path. I'm just yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think that we we probably through high school feel that construction and property is the boys' job, and you imagine people on site in their work boots and hats. And um, yeah, there, there's so many amazing roles for women in property and construction. Uh, one of my good friends is a, a chief development officer of um, vicinity, and so her passion has been property, but now she, now she's now she's running developments um, and recreating places like Chadston and 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 you know meeting up with design um, amazing global designers to attract new tenants. Like what an exciting role that is! Um, but definitely, when I left high school, I always had a passion for marketing, and that's why I went through that pathway. And I think I think we 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 only can we can only see what is in front of us as, you know, we all hear the term, you can't be what you can't see. And I didn't know any women in property and construction at all. And so marketing to me was maybe working for Cadbury or Nestle or, you know, that that was kind of all I could see in front of me. So it wasn't until I started doing work experience and 
And I think that's a really important thing that everybody should do as much as possible, even if it's one or two weeks at, at your mum or dad's firm or, or your, um, your neighbour's place, you know, just really reach out and try new things and try as much as possible so you can find a place where you'll feel really happy and not, not somewhere where you've just ended up. Now, for those of us student, just tuning in, this is Be Like Her Live on Carrie Live at Carrie Baptist Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, brought to you by me, Caitlin Arthur, my co-hosts, Liesl Trickard and Elodie Sleuth. We are here today with Belinda Coates, an inspiring woman in the profe- property profession. Yeah, so just building on that, you mentioned that you'd never seen like any women in the construction industry. Did you have any hesitations about entering such a male-dominated field? Just because I know that a lot of the time, um, young girls, if they don't see like a female role model in the field, they're like, oh, like it's not really something that I'm probably interested in. Or did Mm. you like have such a long process to get there that it wasn't really something you considered? That's such a great question because I've been thinking about it lately, um, advising people on where they should take their next step. And I think it's really important to choose a an organisation where there is a strong role model that you can relate to, whether that's a male or female or non-binary or a a different cultural person, it's really important to have a role model to look up to and uh, stepping away from Maddox and and then joining Hassel, there was a fantastic woman that ran the studio in Melbourne and she absolutely, you know, lit lit me up. I thought, yep, I want to learn from this person. She's strong confident and it's it, I think that it's really important to choose choose your destination wise, wisely don't ever take the first job that's offered to you ask the questions is there a pathway for me is there someone I can look up to and is someone going to fight your battles that's really important it's very difficult to fight a battle if you're a junior in an organization if there's a leader in the organization that's already created a pathway then you're already halfway there. Yeah, so do you then think you've taken on like um, the traits that she showed you and like her strength and confidence and her helping you like be her, like be your advocate and be a trailblazer, has that sort of like inspired you to do the same for other young women entering the field? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I've worked with some amazing strong women at all the organisations that I've worked with and I've been really lucky to work with them. Um, but I've also worked with some amazing strong men as well that have been great advocates for women in the industry and that's also important. And what I loved about going to Cary was that it, it was co-ed and I'm, I'm a big advocate for co-ed schools. I think that it's really important to grow up in, an, in a situation where you're learning how to work with men and women, um, non-binary, all different types of people so that in the future you can sit in a boardroom together and understand each other and it's not foreign. Yeah, you've talked a lot about your strengths and your good experiences, but there'd have to be some negatives that come along with that. So can you tell us what sort of support system do you have that helps you cope with the challenges you encounter at work or in your professional career? Uh, We haven't touched on the 10 women, but absolutely when we started the 10 women seven years ago, uh, 10 senior executive women, we started that as a as actually sort of like a, a group where we could we could join together and share our, our um, I suppose our challenges in the industry being so now dominated. Um, I have to say that in the seven years, 
there are so many more women in executive roles now. It's um, it's becoming less and less of a, of a problem. But the 10 women has been an incredible network, not only for the 10, but also the 250 other executive women that we've inducted into the group as well. So you've said that there's been quite a lot of change. There's a lot more women now in those higher up positions. Do you think we've reached a point where we can stop working towards that? Or do you think there's still a lot of change that needs to happen? In in some spaces we see it. Um, in the organisation I'm in, it's, it's driven by the top. It's driven by our managing director, who's a female, but also our executive chairman, who's a male. And we're at we're actually tipped over at 53% women at the moment, which is amazing. But there's a lot of firms and businesses that are still extremely male-dominated, even 80, 90, 98%. Um, and also, also we have so much work to do to make sure that those um, that the percentage of women in the businesses are not the support roles. And on the other hand as well, having that mix, um, more males in HR and marketing so, and finance as well, those roles tend to fall to the females and so we, we've got a lot of work to do to ensure that we are still um, embracing um, balance at all levels of the organisation. Um, but also gender, we can't stop at gender. We, we, have, we are such a multicultural a cu- country. Um, for example, at Slattery, I think we have 26 different cultures and so we, we have to also make sure that it's, we're not just focusing on gender, that we're focusing on attracting different cultures and embracing inclusion at, in, in every possible way. And that's, that's what Australia is all about as well. So we need to represent Australia in our businesses. Yeah, so what exactly, like what specific initiatives have you and your firm like taken part of in order to promote inclusion and diversity between like genders, races, sexualities, all that kind of thing? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something that we're really proud of and we believe we're trailblazers in the way that we we embed that kind of thinking in our business from top down to bottom up as well. We have an in, an, a wellness committee that focuses on making sure that when we do our social events that they're inclusive. So we make sure that we're not always having a social event at the local Irish pub, for example, that it, we might have something at an Indonesian restaurant or a Sri Lankan restaurant. Um, so we, we do a lot. We use food a lot as a way to embrace different cultures. We have cooking competitions. And um, some of the other great stuff that we do is that on our social media, which is a really important when you think about you can't be what you can't see, but also we can use what we can see to really change the conversation. We don't allow pictures on our social media that are only of men. So if we have an event or if if there's someone talking at something or a panel, we would not take part in panels if it's only men. And we really use that um, as a as an opportunity to have a conversation with people as well. So that we can say, look, we'd love to be a part of that panel, but it looks like you don't have any females on there. Would you like us to put someone forward? So we we really try to be proactive with a solution as well. So it's not just saying that's wrong. It's like, okay, that could be better and we here's some ideas on how we can make that better. It's really wonderful to see um, all of those levels of like diversity being encouraged by your company and stuff. However, I am wondering with things like um, more of a – physical uh, disagreement that you can uh, sometimes see in more male-dominated fields. 
um, just problems with the workplace environment and stuff like that. Does your company have specific strategies to deal with avoiding that kind of thing or, you know, trying to deal with it when the situation does arise? We, I suppose it's been embedded in our business for so long, it would be very rare for there to be any kind of sexism or harassment, bullying in our business. Um, however, it, look, it's, it, we are aware that it can, that it can happen. And it, part of our induction process is that we provide training for our staff. Um, but also because a lot of our directors have been at the business since cadets, they've been brought up in that business and, and um, it's really beautiful. They call, um, a lot of our male directors will really call something out if they see something. And um, yeah, it just happened yesterday. Actually, one of our uh, grads, a male grad, had said something that which he didn't mean to say at all um, to one of the female staff. And um, the yeah, the male and it was awesome. The male director pointed it out straight away, vocally, confidently in front of us all, so that we could all acknowledge what had happened. And the the young grad was a little bit embarrassed, but also acknowledged that oh, I didn't realize how that could sound. So. I think that we've created a pretty special culture, but generally in the construction industry, it is definitely still an issue. Um, it's some some businesses are doing it much better than others, and the state the state government now are putting in protocols and 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 um, they're really pushing certain certain quotas as well on sites, so that those kind of things are really making a difference. But it, it's definitely it's definitely still a challenge. That's wonderful. Like it's amazing to hear that we have men like helping to uplift women, women as well because it's not something that women can just do on their own. We need everyone on board. So I was just wondering because you mentioned that there is still issues. Like how have you been treated differently in the industry because of your gender? Like has it been a prominent issue for you? Like do you know anyone else who's had it be an issue if you haven't personally experienced anything? I don't I I have to say I've had some really fantastic role models and I, I think I grew up with two brothers and and went in the years that I went to Kerry it was there was minimum females actually so I, I think that I'm quite comfortable in that environment but more the the thing that frustrates me the most is I see when women are promoted that um, if we do a round of promotions the men will say oh yep yep I was you know kind of expecting that whereas the women will say are you sure? Are you sure I'm ready? I don't want you to do it if I'm not ready. And that that's that's the most frustrating thing in our industry is that I see so much potential in in women and they don't have the confidence. And I just wish I could just just push them a bit harder. But um, you know, everybody has to step up when they're ready. And yeah, that's yeah. If we could have a little magic wand, that would be awesome. But yeah, hopefully over time with more and more senior women in exec, um, executive positions, the younger women will start to see that they have a place and that it's not, they're not, they didn't just get lucky that actually they, they're, they're yeah, they deserve um, it. They deserve mm. it. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot more women in CEO and leadership roles now. So. Yeah. Nice. Um, given you mentioned your brothers, I was just wondering, was there a time where you really remember noticing that you were treated differently compared to men, like as a child? And how has that sort of impacted you? Has that impacted wow. you? Sorry for the No, it's such a it's such <laughs> a, it's such an important question, isn't it? 
Um, I'm really close with my brothers and we're good friends. I think I, I definitely noticed there was a shift because I used to – I there was a moment where, um, you know, as brothers and sisters you would be mean to each other. Yep. And there was a moment where I remember my older brother saying to me, you know, the men just want the women to be nice to them. And I was like, okay. So then I started to be nice to my brothers and then we became really great friends and they are so supportive of me. And, it, yeah, I suppose I've never forgotten it because I think sometimes there's this sort of – there can be a little bit of an anti, you know, an anti-male thing, you know, women are perfect and, and that yeah. kind of thing. So sometimes it's like, yeah, it's it can be tough for the guys too, you know. Definitely there, there are some women and some men that can definitely improve. Um, but, you know, we're all people at the end of the day, male or female, non-binary. We're all just people trying to do the right thing and get on with our life and enjoy ourselves. So... I noticed you said you think that some men sort of struggle as well and that like everyone struggles at some point. But with that, do you think we're going forward with a lot of people have started talking about forced diversity? Do you think that's something you're seeing or is it a potential to be an issue? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot. We have a lot of debate in the 10 women group about whether or not quotas are important and it's very polarizing. Um, In some situations, you have to set quotas because it's most people will recruit someone who is like themselves and if you don't make a quota to at least reset the balance then we will always keep choosing people like ourselves and so if there's if there's four white males on a panel making a decision they're going to be a lot more likely to choose a friend or someone they know and if they're forced to think out of the side of the comfort zone they will open their eyes and they might find that they recruit someone who's amazing and, and will really shock them. Um, we, we, we set quotas for our events. So if we're hosting a boardroom lunch, for example, if, if I have 10 invites, I must have five women and five men at that table. And it's fantastic because it really makes you think because it's easy to the, often the people in front of you, oh, yeah, those ones, those ones, those ones. But then when you think, oh, no, I need to get my quota up here, you start thinking about other people and it's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that person. That person would be amazing to have along. And it, it's because we, we're, we're all a little bit lazy and mm-hmm. if, if, we, if we can create some kind of uh, friction to stop being lazy, it makes us think outside the square and then we all do better together. Hmm. I was wondering, given quotas are – quite a controversial topic among a lot of circles and one of the main issues people seem to have with them is maybe someone is in that position because they fit the quota not because they deserve Mm. it have you ever been there in part to fit a quota or had a friend who was included specifically to fit a quota regardless of if you deserved that position or not and has that impacted you in any way like just mentally what 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 i do notice is if if there is a token position, whether or not that person is perfect for the role, we're all going to query it. And uh, what, I, what I've been learning lately is that if you're going to have a token position, put two or three in there. Yep. Yeah. And then you really shift the balance and that that's where it really makes a difference. And also putting it out there that we're, we're seeking, um, you know, uh, three positions for this or that, then the people applying for it 
they know they're not a token person. They know they're going to be in a group of people and that they'll have some camaraderie. Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting and actually like amazing strategy to have because I feel like most people don't necessarily consider the fact that say you are the token position, whether you are equally as deserving for it as any other person. And then you might feel isolated as a minority. So how else like do you help to include the people that might not feel like they truly belong because they don't look like other people that are already in the position or um, they're just like culturally different or different gender? How do you, what do you do to combat that? Well, we, we have a challenge at the moment. We, we've got a wonderful reconciliation program and we've put a scholarship together in Melbourne and Sydney for, and we took the advice and instead of offering uh, one scholarship student, we're doing two in Melbourne and two in Sydney. And we are, we're, we're having a challenge that, you know, a very um, big challenge of attracting the students to apply for that. And so we took the advice to offer two instead of one because we didn't want the person to feel isolated. But the truth of the matter is we don't have a senior um, Aboriginal or Indigenous person in our business. And I think that that really makes a difference. And, you know, I've, I've said myself, I, I choose where I go based on having a role model. And without that person internally that can be the role model, I think that it, it, is, it is isolating for people. So it's something that we really need to work on. That's that's really interesting. I don't suppose you could tell us more about this scholarship. Maybe we could get it out there to any of the young people who are listening and could be eligible for that. Ah, oh, that would be amazing. Um, so we've launched a scholarship for a, a students, Aboriginal or Indigenous students studying who have um, been accepted into a course at university that is construction related. So it can be anything to do with construction and um, we, we have a bursary with a certain amount of money, but also we, we offer a cadetship as part of that uh, and mentoring within our business. And, the, yeah, so the cadetship is paid, like pro- proper paid wage, two, one to two days a week so the person can actually learn the ropes of being a quantity surveyor. And also because we're working on some incredible projects like um, for the government, um, it's part of that role. They'll be working on projects where there's high, a high Indigenous engagement. So it's quite an exciting role. Um, but we are actively working with universities to communicate this scholarship, but also we're, we're embarking on a new program. Uh, Slattery and Architectus are leading this program with the University of Melbourne where we're uh, working with ASH, which is in Shepparton, which is a school in Shepparton and we're looking at a career in properties program to encourage year 10 students to look to construction and property um, as a career in the future. So I think part of it is creating a pipeline of students that want to study construction. Uh, There's very few out there at the moment. Um, So we're working with our amazing uh, reconciliation advocate and supporter, Yemma Egan, who who was just chosen as Mr. Nyduck week last week. So he's he's our um, he's our person that that helps drive this program for us. I was about to ask about who you had um, communicating with you to ensure the um, representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices in this reconciliation project, but you just answered my question. Yeah, <laughs> so. we're very lucky. We met uh, Yammer a few years ago, and uh, he's very inspiring. And when when we presented to the Year Ten students. 
he was so cool. He said, you know, I walk around university and I'm the only black fella and I need, I want to see some of you guys there because I'm on my own. Yeah. So we're doing everything we can to work with Yemma to really try and encourage that future pipeline. That's, that's actually really interesting. And you talked about being in different schools and stuff. Do you think that there's any more or what sort of outreach programs should there be for anyone who doesn't necessarily see themselves going into an industry because there's not a lot of representation? What, what more do you think schools can be offering young students? Def- definitely. And Carrie's always had a great um, careers day where people would come and talk about careers. So, but I think there's, yeah, people do get stuck in that. What, what does my mum do? What does my dad do? What does my neighbour do? And being able to find out about as many careers as possible is really important. And yeah, having those role models. So being able to take, take, um, go alongside Yemma Egan and, and hear him tell his story of, of why he, you know, how, how he ended up at uni and why he loves it and, and how he's trying to lead the way. Those kind of stories are so important. We need to get those stories out there as much as possible. That's Yeah, that's definitely a really good um, suggestion. I'm also curious, a lot of women, for example, when they look to their parents, particularly their mothers, they feel this pressure to eventually settle down and have a family. Has that impacted your life in any way? Um, yeah, I've always been really ambitious. So, um, yeah, my, my dad used to take me to the office quite a bit and show me around. He was a CFO. And, um, so he'd say, go and sit with the marketing department or sit with accounts and, and learn what they do. And, you know, that was really cool. Cause it really opened up my eyes to different, different careers in that sense. Um, and then on the other hand, my mum was a teacher. So I, I was really inspired by that as well, but I, I always wanted to prove that you could have it all. So <laughs> because I think that women still we still feel privileged to have careers. And so we I think we women still feel really lucky to be able to work and be able to choose what kind of career we want to have. And that's a really cool thing. I think that um there's probably a lot of men out there that would like to be, you know, just have a family and not have a career, but they're under more I would say they're under more pressure in some sense as well. So Given that you do um, have this ambition and you are doing wonderful work in your industry and um, are pursuing a great career and everything and you also have a family with two young girls, how do you work to like balance that and still, you know, achieve what you're trying to achieve and prove to other women that it can all be done? Yeah, so it's definitely um, teamwork. So my husband's amazing. So he he has a career as well, but we we talk regularly about who's who's – who's got a function tonight or who's away for work and we constantly communicating. Um, you know, my mum's been great too. They say it takes a village. You definitely need need to draw on other people. Um, but to balance it out, I every Friday night, pretty much without fail, I reckon I've missed one or two in the last eight or so years, I have movie night with my twins and it's just us girls and, um, yeah, we've – we're really running out of movies, by the way. So if you've got any <laughs> suggestions, let me know. But every Friday night we sit up with popcorn and watch a movie together and that's our that's our special time. That's really nice. Um, I wonder if – well, I'm just wondering if that – how um, you know, the importance of family to you and ensuring that you have that connection with your children, did that come from, you know, your parents or something? Did you have that kind of environment at home? Was it 
very much with your mother or both of your parents, given they both worked? Like, how does that, how did that work for you? And how does that influence how you are now? Yeah, definitely. We, we've always had a really close family. Um, and my, yeah, my mum's always been very nurturing. So, you know, as I think as we grow up, we sort of try to take things that we like from our dads and what we like from our mums and maybe something from, from auntie or uncle. And yeah, we, we try to, um, make that patchwork of our, of what we want our life to be like. So it's, we're definitely inspired by our parents. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned just previously that you sit down for movie night with your girls almost every Friday night. Uh, do you think that in the modern day movies now we've got that representation or how much more change do you think still needs to happen before we have a proper representation without, as you'd mentioned previously, those token characters or those token positions? Oh, it's so much. The new movies are so, they're all about women empowerment, which is so cool. And because my girls now, they're almost 10, they're starting to watch those teenage movies and we've been watching some from the 90s. Oh, my God. <laughs> they need to be banned. The way that they yeah, portray um, women in those movies is absolutely horrendous. So there's, it's really great, though, because we have such a good communicate. My girls are quite mature and we have these conversations about, wow, that wouldn't happen now, would it? The, a girl would never put up with that or, you know, so it's actually been a really good education for us watching those movies from the 90s. Um, so with those movies from like um, previous eras with different standards, do you think it's a good thing to reflect upon those or should we not be in looking at them at all lest we try to bring back certain stereotypes? Well, it's it's probably good to see how far we've come. You know, we've really come a long way. So there's there's no harm in that at all. But, yeah, look, let's look back and see what we've learned. But then, yeah, embrace what's happening now, which is fantastic. Thanks, Disney, for all the <laughs> hero women that they're portraying. It's awesome. I think it's wonderful that you have such an open dialogue with your daughters. Do you think that that's something you also bring into the professional workspace or like just all areas of your life, just having these topics not be taboo but actually conversations that everyone feels comfortable participating in so that we can actually like move towards a better future? Yes, yes, we should always be open. Um, I'm a very open person. I'm very authentic. You, yeah, people mm. pretty much know what I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's wonderful having you with us here today to share all your knowledge and be such an open person with us. I think it's really enlightening to have someone who's so willing to share. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And we've got to ask that um, question, you know, everyone gets asked. What's what do you think's your biggest piece of advice you could say to a young girl who's looking and doesn't really know what to do, who doesn't have the particular role model or anything? What would you say to her to help? You can be anything that you want to be. You have every opportunity in Australia. There's absolutely nothing holding us back. And all I suggest is be be whatever you can be, but just make sure you look after the people that can't be what they can be. Well, thank you so much. Now, as we're coming to a close, I just want to thank my co-hosts, um, Liesl and Elodie, and give a special thanks to the wonderful Belinda for joining us today on thank this you, chilly Linda. Melbourne morning. Uh, so we are live from Kerry Baptist Grammar, Melbourne, Australia. My name is Caitlin and you have been listening to Be Like Her Live on Kerry Live. 
Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Cary Baptist Grammar in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Cary Live. <laughs> 